Welcome, adventurers. Quickly now, Alarion has triggered a trap and now falls. But falls into what? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon. As the young man began to be swallowed by the floor, Orteval jumped toward him, laying out flat, arm shooting forward. He lost sight of the wizard as he disappeared below the floor line, but his hand caught a fistful of cloth. Of the wizard's robe. Thank the gods the young man was scrawny. Even his lesser weight jerked Orteval's arm, straining the muscle. Head pressed to the floor, Orteval could see nothing. He could feel Alarion spinning and kicking, slapping at his hand. Some help, Orteval snarled through the strain. Arms grabbed his feet and upper body, and they were pulled back from the brink, Alarion spastically emerging like a freshly caught fish. Orteval was about to stand and yell at the wizard until he realized he had hold of the neck of the man's robe, and he had been choking him as part of the rescue. He let go, and Alarion, red-faced, gasped for air. Orteval, now on his knees, calmed quickly, placing a reassuring hand on the wizard's back until the gasping had subsided. Orteval flexed and rolled his shoulder a few times. It would be sore tomorrow, but it was otherwise undamaged. Snare was now standing at the edge of the collapsed section of floor, peering within. He turned about. I don't think someone necessarily wants us to be in here, he signed. Orteval looked over the edge. Besides the remnants of the crumbled floor, fifteen feet below, the entire bottom of the newly exposed pit was covered in metal barbs, rusty, jagged, and nearly a pace long. One needn't be a scholar to figure out, had he missed his grab, Alarion would likely now be dead. Scooting back from the edge of the pit, Orteval stood. I think we can all agree that we need to proceed with a little more caution at this point. Orteval had taken the time to point out to Snare that he believed it was Alarion stepping on the picture of the beast on the floor that had triggered the trap. Wenrid started in on a history of traps and their various applications and fortifications. From there, they moved at a snail's pace. Instead of approaching the pedestal head-on, they moved ten paces to the left, coming at it from a diagonal. Snare borrowed Wenrid's spear and was using it as a probe, poking and prodding at parts of the floor ahead before proceeding. They moved in a single-file line, so none would step where another had not. Snare led, then Wenrid, then Alarion, and finally Orteval. With only three or four paces left to reach their goal, Snare held up his hand. The gnome then got down on his hands and knees, putting his head almost to the floor. 
After a few beats, he stood again, turned back, and waved for them to retreat. They had, while Snare stayed where he was. When the bearded man was satisfied they were far enough back, he signaled for them to stay. Turning to face forward once more, the gnome held the spear as far back on the shaft as he possibly could, raising it overhead. He then swung the weapon forward toward the floor in front of him. The moment the metal head of the spear struck, there was an audible click, and from the walls, two of the carved trees fell. Trees of solid stone. They crashed to the ground just before Snare, catching the spear and shattering it. Alarion had fallen to the ground, covering his head, even though they were well clear of the trap. Wenrid and Ortoval had reflexively dropped into fighting stances. Snare turned, wide-eyed, stone dust caught up in his beard. Ortoval got the impression the gnome had thought he had been further clear of the danger than the near miss that had just occurred. Still grasped in Snare's hand, the last two feet of the broken spear. He walked back to Winrid and handed her the remains and nodded once. He then leaned over, signing back to Ortoval. Definitely are not welcome. The little thief had then turned and made his way forward again. He seemed confident as he climbed up and over the fallen stone. When he was nearly out of sight, he waved for them to follow. As Ortoval passed over the pile, he could see Snare was already searching every last bit of the ground around the pedestal, the pedestal itself and the statue on top, without touching anything. Hilarion stood directly before the statue, a pace away, staring into the mouth. Tears had formed again. The young man turned toward Ortoval. It is there, the pendant. Ortoval came to stand beside the wizard. In the mouth, a hand's width in, past the gaping maw of teeth, lay the pendant. A green stone centered in silver, stone and metal identical to those of the ring Snare had found. Also in the same fashion as the ring, characters of the runic alphabet were stamped into the metal surrounding the stone. Roselia, watch over us, Ortoval thought. This was all a lot to take in. Doubt was losing ground to the mounting evidence. This discovery seemed to undo who knows how many hundreds of years of knowledge and belief. They stood there a full two bars as Snare finished first looking and then poking at the sculpture in several places with his dagger. I can't find anything, fingers moving, and I don't like it. We have gone through an illusion and evaded two, three if you count the water room above, deadly traps, Ortoval signed in return. It may be we have evaded all there is. As they were conversing, Alarion chanted a series of words, fingers moving. He gave a nervous chuckle. The pendant, amulet I guess might be the more appropriate term, is magic, but nothing else about the statue is. 
Snare still looking at Orteval signed. I don't like it, Wenrid chimed in. In the Burmiska culture, passing through a symbolic threat, walking over a bed of coals or through a line of armed persons, naked, without weapon, for example, was considered an act of bravery and worthiness. The idea was that by being vulnerable and moving ahead anyway showed a spirit was pure, and trusting they were enough by themselves. Orteval wasn't quite sure he understood. Are you saying the teeth are a test of worthiness? They pose no threat? Wenred nodded. Just so, no threat other than to demonstrate the worthiness and bravery of one who would grasp it. Valerian looked hopeful. Snare frowned. Is the farking monster toad a depiction of a Bramiskin creature? The question ended with a point to the toad. He wants to know if you recognize this creature as Bramiskin, Orteval conveyed. Wenrid's face grew offended. Well, no, not necessarily, but it doesn't make the concept any less valid. How much do we know about those that placed it here? and what may or may not have influenced there. I'm not sticking my hand in there, Snare signed, even as Winrid rattled on. Orteval, distracted by Snare's signing, had pushed Winrid's words into the background as well, and his head was only just turning back to the statue to hear the last bit of what Winrid was saying. But I would have no one doubt my bravery, and would ask no one to go where I would not. She stepped to a place just before the statue, sticking a hand through the teeth. See? A test of bravery. And then she clutched the amulet. There was barely even a noise. One of the needle-like teeth extended in a flash, puncturing the skin and drawing blood. Wenrid cursed and drew her hand out, leaving the amulet within. A beat passed. Orteval's inner medic looked to the droplet of blood on the stout woman's hand. It was bright red, for a moment, but it shifted shockingly quick to a dark brown, and then a tar black. His eyes flashed from the hand to the woman's face. The veins in her neck and face were rapidly becoming visible, purple lines becoming black running like roots up toward her cheeks. She opened her mouth to speak. A rivulet of blood ran from her nose, and she fell stiff to the ground, dead. At that exact same moment, the scraping of stone could be heard from the entrance to the chamber. Orteval was stepping to Wenrid to see what could be done when Snare grabbed his arms. We have to go his fingers frantic, a wild gesticulation toward the entrance. Orteval looked. A stone slab nearly three feet thick was descending to close off their exit. There was no time, not even time to drag Wenrid from the room. Behind him, Alarion swore. Snare was already atop the collapsed stone, and with one last look Orteval's way dashed toward their rapidly vanishing exit. Orteval spun toward Illyrian, their eyes locked. The young wizard's fist was clenched tight around something. On the back of his hand, 
a droplet of blood. What had the young fool done? Orteval grabbed Alarion's shoulder. Run. As Orteval reached the top of the collapsed stone, he reached back to pull the wizard forcefully up and over. They hit the ground running. The stone closing ahead of them was well past halfway. Orteval made directly for it, jumping to clear the open pit of barbed metal. He landed awkwardly, twisting his ankle, but fell forward and scrambled on hands and knees from the chamber. Snare was there, slapping the ground in nervous anticipation and encouragement. Orteval spun. Alarion had gone around the pit, adding a few crucial beats to his journey. The young man dove to his stomach, landing flat on the stone, and began trying to slither, there being not enough room to crawl under any longer. He wasn't going to make it. For a second time, Orteval lashed out, grasping the wizard's robes, and pulled. Splayed low on the ground, it was hard to gain purchase. But with strained effort, Alarion shot forward and then stopped. Not completely clear. Was he caught? Orteval scrambled back and then pulled with all of his might. The wizard lurched forward, almost out, and then stopped. He began screaming. Snare was there. They pulled together. And then, as a cork from the bottle, the wizard burst forward. The boot from his right foot left behind, trapped beneath the stone. They collapsed in a pile and chorus of panicked breathing. After a time, Orteval sat up, pushing his back up against the well, wincing as his ankle sent a twinge of pain. He cast his eyes down upon Alarion. The wizard's exposed foot, against all odds, seemed undamaged. But that was hardly Orteval's biggest concern. He rolled the wizard over onto his back and helped him into a sitting position. Orteval grasped the wizard's hands. Mixed with dirt and grime, it was hard to tell, but the blood still seemed red, not darkened in any way. Alarion turned over his hand and opened it. In it sat the amulet. Orteval looked into the wizard's eyes. How? You should be the same as Winrid. The blood was draining out of Valerian's face as the idea of what risks he had just taken were beginning to set in. I thought that if I was wearing the ring, it might protect me. He swallowed. We have been through so much. I couldn't couldn't leave it behind without trying. There was a tap on Orteval's shoulder. Snare was not looking at him, instead tapping him on the shoulder with one hand while pointing to the east wall with the other. When they had first entered this chamber, it was just a wall. Now a section five feet wide and three feet thick seemed to have slid up into the roof exposing a well-kept wood door behind it. Orteval slapped at Snare's hand to get him to stop, and then stood. The door had been unlocked, and when it opened, a waft of stale air pushed out, as if the door had not been opened in 
who knows how long. The smell of the room within was familiar at once. A smell that they had smelled a thousand times over the past year. The smell of parchment, of binding glue and old leather. The smell of books. The room was a perfectly preserved library. Hundreds of books lay within. Talking about it was not necessary. Snare and Orteval both knew at once upon seeing what lie within that they would be here a while. Orteval and Snare had spent several bells looking for a mechanism that would open the stone blockade that sealed off the amulet chamber, but found none. Valerian was still awake as Orteval barred the wood door to the library from within and went to sleep. Given the number of books, Orteval had expected to be there weeks. They would have to go back into town for provisions. But just after rising, Alarion had called them to a wood desk near the back of the room. The book from Borgin was there, and only one other book, smaller and unlabeled. It is all here, the wizard had tapped the back of the smaller book. I had thought the inscription here, Alarion said, picking up the ring. Red, bind me to the well, protect all life with mine. But I was wrong. I misused the meaning of this symbol here, which besides well can also mean heart. So it actually reads, bind me to the heart, protect all life with mine. And this, he set down the ring and picked up the amulet. We are the heart's blood, those who chose nature above self. The wizard then flipped to the back of the book and picked out a piece of loose parchment from between two of the pages and gently unfolded it. It was a map of sorts, a floor plan. The writing on it was in the same runic characters. Sisti Tamhain, Alarion said, patting the map. Temple and headquarters of the Kriestion and Dare, protectors of the Gimlin Woods. Alarion could have been boastful and petty, could have rubbed all they had found in their faces, but he did not. He was quietly proud of what he had uncovered. If I am understanding everything, it lies a little more than a day's travel north of Feld's Crossing. There was a silence. Alarion looked at them both his hand resting on the map. He then pointed to one chamber depicted on the map. Inside this temple, protected by unbreakable wards and magical bonds, is an item, a magic item of uncalculable power and value. It was known to the Krias Deon and Nair as the heart. Another pause to let this sink in. The room can only be opened in one way, with two very specific items. Valerian picked up the amulet and smiled before putting it about his neck, and then picked up the ring, considering it for a moment. He handed it to Snare and winked. Why don't you hold on to that until it is needed? Valerian stood. Well, gentlemen, it seems our journey is drawing to a close. 
and a worthy prize lay at its end. They made their way from the ruins. Orteval had offered prayers to Roselia at the now sealed chamber in which Wenrid lay. At the mouth of the cave, they had used a crowbar to scuff out the symbol which meant both well and heart from the pillar's face. And then with a file, Orteval scratched in the same pillar. Here lies Wenrid. Let no one doubt her bravery. Let it never be said she would ask any to go where she would not. Passed on from this plain the twenty-seventh day of Bessel in the two thousand one hundred and forty-ninth year after landing. Orteval stood and looked upon it for a moment. Snare touched his leg. Orteval turned his head to look upon the gnome. Snare gave a sincere nod. It is all there is to be done, it said. Orteval looked one last time before putting the file in his backpack and hefting the pack onto his shoulders. Orteval turned and nodded, signaling he was ready. Valerian looked at him, some discomfort passing over the young man's face, and then he spoke. Perhaps we should take some time in Feld's Crossing to find a worthy adventurer to take with us to the temple, just in case. And now we see clearly the path that brought Alarion, Orteval, and Snare to the old temple under the hill, the temple in which all of our tales began. But are we not worried about the lurking force that has manipulated Alarion to undertake this journey in the first place? It seems we know how the stories of many involved here end. Or do we? Please join me after a one-week mid-season break for the beginning of a new tale. Good listeners, and that is a wrap on the first half of season five. Uh, I just wanted to take this time to say thank you so very, very much for being a listener. Really, really does mean a lot to me. I know I say that all the time, but uh, I think it's important to say it. But for me, it means a ton. Also, as a just scheduling heads up, this is the middle of the season, so I am going to take a one week break to catch up on writing and recording. Uh, and that is that I do want to generically say there may be a few storm clouds on the horizon for the show. Uh, other than that, hopefully the storm doesn't come and get us, but maybe it will, who knows. But I just didn't want any future announcements to come as a shock. Uh, nothing immediate right now, but, uh, in there, out there on the horizon somewhere, we, we'll see. And hopefully we avoid it all. Uh, that being said, if you have the time and haven't yet, 
uh, a review on a listening platform of your choice, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, there's a whole bunch of them, good pods. Uh, my podcast can be found on any, almost any of them. Uh, and reviews are a huge, huge help. Reviews and recommendations. So if you have that time and haven't yet, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a five-star review, uh, a written review if you can, or even more helpful. Uh, and just keep trying to tell friends about it. Uh, that really, really, that word of mouth and that confidence that someone else can listen and say, yeah, this is good content, uh, really does help. So... I just wanted to leave you guys with that. Uh, I hope you enjoy your time off. I'll miss you on the week that I'm gone. And uh, we will be back in two weeks with the second half of season five.